Well, good morning. Good to see those of you that are here and welcome to those of you that are watching on our live stream. We're so glad that we can be connected even on this cold, rainy day in October. Our passage this morning comes from the book of Luke, chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. So hear this now from the book of Luke. Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned to them and said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Well, this would have been about the time that Family Weekend would be coming up, so I thought I'd pick a really uplifting passage about family for us this morning. Just kidding! Yikes! What a word from Luke! Whoever does not hate their family cannot be my disciple, says no children's Bible ever. What in the world is going on here? So let's back up for a second. Let's try to figure this out. Luke, remember, is telling us the story of Jesus. And he begins with Jesus' birth, goes all through Jesus, starting out into ministry. Jesus is tempted and baptized and gets pretty famous, really for showing the world what God is like. And now, in the second half of the book of Luke, Luke makes a noticeable change. There's an important verse in chapter 9 where it says this, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Cue the drone footage and epic music, right? In other words, Jesus is walking towards Jerusalem on purpose, on mission. He's got something really important to do there. He must die there. He's walking towards his death on a cross and, of course, also his resurrection. But the second half of the book of Luke is the part of the story where Jesus is journeying towards the cross. Things are taken to the next level of seriousness here for Jesus and for those that are following Jesus. So I imagine at this point, Jesus' heart is pretty heavy, right? Step after step and every step reminding him that he's one step closer to his death, right? One step closer to his death and our judgment. His resurrection, our life, but this journey of suffering and our journey of grace, What a journey is recorded here. And so here in this passage that I just read, Jesus is making it plain. He's not messing around here. If you want to follow me, you've got to take this stuff seriously. There's no room for half-hearted or lukewarm Jesus followers here in this passage. 
Dr. Luke Powery, who's the dean of the chapel at Duke University, reminded me this week as I was listening to him that in this passage about hating your family, Jesus clearly is not interested in church growth. Right? All these people have gathered around him and are following him. And in this moment, when any sensible, hipster, church-planning pastor would start to make plans for some big launch event with these crowds, Jesus turns to them and instead says, anyone who wants to follow me must hate their families and even hate life itself. So you might be thinking at this point, you know, Jesus, it's kind of nice to have some distance from my parents, kind of nice to have a little independence here at school, but hate? It's a little bit too far, don't you think? I mean, life's not great in 2020, but I'm not sure it's worth hating. And you're not totally wrong, okay? Hate in this passage, in this ancient first century context, The way that hate is used here is called a Semitic hyperbole. Semitic hyperbole, which means it's an exaggeration for the purpose of making a really important point plain. Hate here, Dr. Powery taught me this week. Hate is another way of saying love less. Love less in this context. Whoever comes to me and does not love their family less than me. Whoever does not love life less than me cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus says, I want to be the thing that you love most in this life. Now the problem for me, Lauren, is that I love my family a lot, right? My My husband, Derek, my partner in crime, my two little boys, Theo and Micah, they're my world. It's a world of chaos, but it's my world. And really, honestly, family has always been really important to me. My great-grandparents, hang on with me there. My great-grandparents, all of them, they came to the United States in the early 1900s from Eastern Europe, my dad's family from Poland, my mom's family from Slovakia, and they all kind of landed in Chicago. And they started their lives there, they became parents there, and they became grandparents there, and eventually great-grandparents there. And mostly, for the last three generations, every, everyone's kind of stuck around that windy city. They mostly all still live there. And we're tight! Even though we now live in Washington, we're still a very close-knit family because family's important to me. Uh, Now, I don't know if any of you can resonate with this, but just to kind of sketch the picture of my family a bit, we all get together for every holiday and every birthday still. We talk on the phone a lot. Uh, Everyone knows when my mom is fighting with Grammy, Uh, Everyone knows when my cousin's in hot water with his grades, and when my brother broke up with his girlfriend, my aunties were texting him within minutes how sorry they were, right? There's not a lot that's kept secret in my family for long. Proposals, pregnancies, politics, it's all everybody's business to know it all. And we share life together. We share news on new stores or restaurants in the area. We talk and we watch baseball a lot. And because we're so loyal to Chicago, when we take our annual Christmas trip downtown to go to Marshall Fields, 
that's no longer Marshall Fields. We all still faithfully call it Marshall Fields and never Macy's as long as my grandmother's alive. I love my family, I really do. We are a hot mess most of the time, but I love them. And I think this is why. Because when I'm with them, I feel like I belong. We're committed to the same things, right? The same sports, the same town, the same family drama. We're all invested in it together. And that draws us together as a family so that when we're sitting around the dinner table eating our birthday cake or our pumpkin pie, we all can talk about the same things and we feel known. We feel connected to each other. We feel significant, which taps on one of the greatest longings of the human soul. Everyone longs to feel belonging to someone or to a group. Humans need to feel closely connected to each other to make a place where they can feel safe, where they can feel cared for, where they can feel love. So loving your family is certainly not a bad thing. But in this passage, Jesus is tapping on that longing that every human feels to belong somewhere. And he's saying this, belong to me. Jesus says, belong to me. Come with me, walk with me, share life with me, belong to the one who created that desire in you in the first place. Love God most and first, not just in your head, but actually show it with your life. Now, as anyone knows who's tried this before, this is much easier said than done, which I think is why Jesus is making such an extreme point here. It's much easier to belong to things that are actually right in front of us, right? Like our stuff, our phones, our money, our future, our grades, our jobs, even our families or friends. But here's the thing, all these things are only a balm that for our aching souls that will, that will last for just a brief moment, just a fleeting moment. And Jesus wants to be the fulfillment for that ache in a permanent forever sense of it. Belong to me, Jesus says. Belong to me. In Luke 9, Jesus goes on to say this, if any want to become my followers, let them first deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. Jesus wants this dramatic commitment from you. He wants you to belong to him. As I invite the band to come back up, I want to make one last interesting point on what it looks like to belong to Jesus in this way. There's a funny thing that happens when we commit to belonging to Jesus. When we fix our eyes on Christ and have this single-minded, devoted focus and walk closely behind Jesus, we'll find ourselves, if we kind of look to our left and look to our right, we'll find ourselves walking shoulder to shoulder with other people who have made that 
same commitment, who have also committed to belonging to Jesus first, and suddenly this journey that we're on with Jesus isn't so lonely, right? When we commit to belonging to Jesus, we realize that we're also committing to a community. And that community might include our family, but it also might include our friends, or our roommates, or our classmates, or our professors, or our neighbors, or even that person that you were sure you'd never have anything ever in common with them ever, suddenly we have the most important thing in our lives in common. And suddenly we find ourselves committed to a new sort of family. Just as Mama Beans was praying over chapel beforehand, we, reminding me that we together are the family of God. And so belonging to Jesus and to belonging to this community is where we will find our truest sense of belonging. Because this, friends, is what we were made for.